Hello, Bears fans, and welcome back to another edition of Bears on Tap. Not only is this another episode of Bears on Tap, it's a winning edition of Bears on Tap. We got a win streak, Q. Yeah. How good does that feel? It's been a long time coming, man. It's been a long time coming. Um, it's weird to feel hopeful again. Like, I'm I'm actually I'm excited to watch the bears the next time around, which hasn't always been the case the last year and a half. So it's good times. The good times are flowing and let's see if they can keep it that way. Ain't that the truth you heard from both of us here. I'm Ron Luce joined by the one, the only Mr. Quinton. Uh, Q let's just dive right into this thing, man. I mean, it was a a fun game to watch. I, I think for everybody, but I think the, the thing that comes to my mind after this entire game and this win on Sunday is that this feels like a tale of two teams this season, right? Early on in the year, they couldn't win a game. They finally get that big W against Washington. Since that game, they're five and four since in their last four, they're three and one. This Bears team's starting to turn the tide. And a large part of that is how good the defense has played. That's really where we've seen this transition so far. Q. I mean, I feel like Sunday was kind of the the final culmination of what the last four games have been. This defense is all of a sudden playing like a top five unit in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, they are, they're pulling some things out of the bag that we didn't see the first half of the year. I mean, some of the, some of the stuff they're doing in coverage and really, I mean, it's really all come down to the D line. In my opinion, like the Montez sweat edition made this D line capable of getting a pass rush without blitzers without having to do just wild stuff on stunts it's going to get home one out of every 10 times and there was running all game they're able to just put their four guys down and get home at times and that alone means that they can dedicate more to coverage they can dedicate more time in practice to coverage they can dedicate more time to understanding each player's responsibility in some of the more exotic coverages more exotic switches that they're doing back there which means that these guys are ready game day to do that stuff. And the coaches aren't hesitant to pull it out of their bag, which I think is awesome. 100%. I think that's something that we've seen here with this defensive unit too, Q, like you said, because of how dominant that front four has been over the last few weeks in the Montez sweat edition easily right now is probably the biggest reason why. But like you said, now the coverages can be a little more disguised. They can scheme things up the way they want to, to fool teams. You you force quarterbacks into making quick decisions when they think something's there. And if it's not, it turns into turnovers, just like it has recently for the Chicago Bears. You look at the sack numbers over their last six games, astronomically better than their first nine. Same thing goes for the turnover numbers. They have played a different brand of football in the last six games compared to the first nine games of the season, effectively since Montez sweat has has shown up to Chicago and ultimately signed that big contract extension. And it's making bears football fun again, because Q where I think we're just starting to see in general too, Matt Eberflus is dialing up things that we have not seen him do in the year plus now of him being the head coach of the Chicago bears with this defense. They're willing to be a little more aggressive. They're willing to take chances on balls and undercut routes you know, Tremaine Edmonds is looking like the guy they wanted in the middle because he's able to just float in coverage and quarterbacks don't see him and he uses that athleticism to take things over. And Q, they're finally blitzing. I think that's my favorite yeah. part about this entire defense. They 
Eberflus has been able to dial up with this defense right now because of what that front four is doing, the perfect times to blitz. And when it's happened so far, it's been effective. And we saw it again against Jared Goff on Sunday. Yeah, I think going back to his indie days, you look at Eberflus and what, what made him a really effective defensive mind was just knowing when to pull that trigger on things, knowing when to bring a, bring extra heat, knowing when he shouldn't, knowing when to run this stunt here, what personnel packages he's ready and prepared for with certain things that they've practiced. Like that understanding the situation and how to win it from a defensive aspect, that's where I think Iberflus really does well with. And before the Montez sweat trade, I just don't think they met the threshold of talent on that pass rush to be able to do that stuff. And it just, it really changed everything. And that sweat addition to conceptually what they're able to do with the coverage in general and just all the back end, how effective, effective they are able to scheme stuff up has Mm -hmm. increased exponentially. 100%. And I think you, it really well highlights something that you brought up earlier this year. And I distinctly remember sitting on the microphone here with you and you bringing it up. Everybody was really excited about Yannick Ngakwe becoming a Chicago Bear. But you said it yourself. You're like, Yannick's nice, but he's he's kind of a nice Robin pass rusher more so than he is yeah. a Batman. He, he, he thrives off of having an, another elite rusher on that line somewhere, right? You look back to his days in Jacksonville when they still had Calais Campbell down there. You look, you know, the other years that they've had successful teams, right? Up in Minnesota, he was opposite a guy like Daniil Hunter, et cetera, well, et cetera. Minnesota, that was only like five games or something, and they traded him because they didn't think he was very good. And I don't think they had Daniil Hunter that year. And like, the, so that was the whole the whole thing that triggered in my head was like, well, Minnesota, he was kind of the guy, and they traded him after five games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you were spot on because we saw that early on in this season. Yannick Ngakwe was effectively – just a moot point on the defensive line because as one man, he wasn't able to get that pass rush. Now you factor in a guy like Montez sweat, who has shown he's an elite rusher. And dare I say, almost feels like he fits this bears defense better than he did in Washington because he's just been a game wrecker, especially the last three games, three games, three and a half sacks for him so far. And he has elevated the play of other guys on the line. And Q that kind of turns us to our next topic here, which is the Tez effect, right? We heard about this, you know, when, when they got him and even flew, so the Tez effect, and everybody's like, what the hell is this stupid corny Tez effect? We're starting to see it now because a guy that you loved so much coming into the season, Javon Dexter, is starting to eat playing on the same side as Montez Sweat right now on this defensive line. Yeah, I mean, Montez Sweat is a freak of a human being. Like, you go you go, you go, go to mockdraftable.com and you pull up his spider chart. They don't build him like that very often. Long arms, long-limbed, tall, strong, and fast. This guy ran like a 4-4-40. Like, I mean, just fast and, uh, like, I believe his agility was somewhere around average to above average. When you're long-lived like that, mm-hmm. you usually can't can't change direction that well. So he's just – he is a lot for any single person to handle, and he requires two people's attention very often. Which, when you got a guy like Javon Dexter, who's strong enough that you say, you know, I'm not sure we can leave one guy on him. It starts, it's sometimes football's that simple. You got two freak guys like that. 
you suddenly you're talking about taking up four of the offensive line, which you just can't do. So someone's going to have a one-on-one. It's either Dexter or Sweat. And we've seen all season long when Dexter gets one-on-ones, we tend to like the results. 100%. And again, too, just to add to that cue, I, I think when you have that front four right now, and you can play the five-on-four game effectively because there's more than one guy on that line that usually requires a second eye, anytime you can give a defensive lineman one-on-one, they're probably going to have a chance to make something happen. And if a team wants to neutralize a four-man pass rush, guess what you got to do? You got to keep men in to protect. And you know what that does, Q? Like you said, that frees up your DBs, that frees up your linebackers in coverage. Then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you know, seven guys back looks even more daunting and more overwhelming. And we even saw it. I keep thinking back to the, the bunch play that Detroit had in the game on um, that, that crucial third down that ultimately set up that fourth down when uh, sweat got in there with the sack where you just saw the corners just effortly pass it off. Yeah. It was beautiful. It was, it was majestic. It was so covered up. Even if Goff wasn't having pressure in his face in two and a half seconds, he had no chance. There was nothing there for the bears to do. And again, it just, it proves to show that they were true. It really, we said it. Hey, they they really need one elite pass rusher. They got it, and we're starting to see that here with the Tez effect. And Q, what else have you noticed on this defensive line so far? I know you're always in the trenches in the film room. Who are some of the other guys right now that are benefiting from a guy like Montez Sweat? And who, who do you think maybe in these last four games is a good candidate to continue upping their game even more playing opposite number 98? I mean, Justin Jones has started to come on and look like a lot more than we've ever seen him be in Chicago. Like, I mean, he's he's been here and he's always just kind of been uh, been there. Like, not really anything that noticeable. He's just kind of – he does his job against the run most of the time and doesn't create much push. But we're starting to see some situations where he's, he's getting in the backfield pretty quick and able to use that first step of his a lot better off the attention that Sweat's getting. And don't look now, but Zach Pickens is making some noise. Like he is, he's climbing up that depth chart, I think, or not depth chart, but like his snap counts are climbing and he's Mm -hmm. just getting a little bit better and a little bit better. And um, I actually, I I didn't distinctly review any of the tape from the last two weeks on defense. I focused only on the offense, but just from what I've seen in games, I really feel like Pickens is going to start getting more and more run here because especially whenever they get him at three technique, it feels like he's making plays. Yeah. I agree, and I think it just continues to show how how nice it's been now with the sweat edition, having, in my opinion, three very athletic defensive tackles, three guys that, in my opinion, can play the three. I think Pickens and Jones are probably more equipped than a guy like Dexter. I think Dexter's just like we've talked about before. He's built to be a one technique. Yeah. But when you have three of those guys like that that they can rotate – opposite an incredibly effective Andrew Billings who continues to get his flowers over the course of the season. And we continue to see it on a week in week out basis and the impact he has on the run game. It just gives this team so much flexibility to be fresh. And then you have that relentless pass rush on third down on fourth down, even when the lions decide to go for it on fourth down, like 15 freaking times on Sunday, they're able to get after the quarterback. And I agree with you. The more and more Q that I watch Pickens, I know we love what we've seen out of Dexter. We continue to see him grow. Scott from Iowa in the comments says he bets that Dexter will have three plus sacks the rest of the season. He says, hashtag book it. 
But Pickens is a guy cue that, right? We we had we wanted to see that linear growth. Maybe we yeah. see a huge spike here in these last four games as they continue to turn the tide in the last quarter of the schedule. Yeah, I think so. As long as he's getting those opportunities at three technique, I don't see why he why he wouldn't be. I mean, we we've seen him win with his the first step. Like that's what you drafted him for, and we know that that's there. We we just flat out know it's there. Now, do we worry that he might get washed out of run lane sometimes? Sure. But I think realistically, you're looking at Pickens as a rotational guy long term. And that's that's perfect. Right. And I mean, on the Dexter front, like, man, there was when I was watching his tape from Florida, there were some flashes where I was like, I, I was like pie in the sky. I was like, this guy his frame, his strength, his quickness sometimes, like he could be a Jeffrey Simmons type player. And then I never, I've never spoken that. I've never written that. Cause I was like, it's pie in the sky. That's too much. Be real. But I'm starting to wonder if that might be more there than I wanted to admit. Like, and he has a long way to go to be clear. Long, long, long way to go become a Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons is a freak, a monster. He is so good at football. But I'm starting to, like, you don't find players who have a get-off that good. And in college, he didn't. And that's why I didn't say it, because the get-off wasn't there. But the strength was. And you can see mm-hmm. in the testing numbers, the athleticism was there. And you get a guy who's getting that get-off like that with the strength and size that Dexter has, there's really not many comps to that. Yeah, it, it's a unique set of skills that a guy like Javon Dexter has. Completely agree with you there. Q, before we continue on here down our rundown, uh, I do want to allude to a comment here because I think it was good fun from Sunday's win here. Uh, Darnell Wright trucking Kaminsky was as good. According to Scott, was as good as the TD pass to Moore. I think the touchdown pass oh, to yeah. DJ Moore was my favorite play of the game on fourth down, getting Aiden Hutchinson to jump, but... Darnell Wright's a badass just trucking a grown-ass man into the ground when they picked up what ended up being an incomplete pass, uh, but an incredible play to yeah. almost set up the pre- – be the precursor for that more touchdown on the following play. I, I think Wright earned himself a nickname for me. I uh, Anyone who's familiar with Big Trouble in Little China, the movie, the classic mm-hmm. Kurt Russell movie, he drives the Pork Chop Express – I feel like that's Dar- Darnell Wright's the Pork Chop Express. He's just running those defenders over. That was hysterical. I loved it. I, I watched it over and over. I clipped it. <laughs> I went to YouTube, pulled a clip of the Pork Chop Express line from that movie, threw it over it, put it out on Twitter, and was so proud of myself and the five likes I got for people who got it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, we might we might have to get the Pork Chop Express out in the in the world a little more here in the near future. Uh, because Q things are are it feels like we're jumping on the express, right? We, we, we said it at the top of the show here, how excited we are. It was a great game overall, right? Fields showed a lot. I think in this win, is he perfect? No, but did he do enough to get them to, to victory? Absolutely. The run game was there despite not being used a ton. DJ Moore is still arguably one of the best playmakers in the NFL. We, we knew a lot of these things and, and they came to fruition on Sunday, but I think the ultimate kind of takeaway from Sunday's game is the Bears are in the legitimate best case scenario spot given how this season has gone so far because at five and eight they are one one game thanks thanks Tommy DeVito we appreciate you kid 
one game out of a playoff spot in what's become a ridiculous NFC playoff picture. But at the same time, you have two top five picks in the NFL draft right now because the Panthers are atrocious. 93.2%, I believe it is for the number one pick right now as things stand. The Bears could have the number one pick in the draft and potentially play in the playoffs, Q. This feels like best case scenario for Chicago Bears fans. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, so from the from the current roster standpoint, I mean, I do not think there's any better player development than down the stretch of the season playing for the playoff football. Like mm-hmm. that is where your guys will learn the most. They will they will become the best players that they can become by playing that type of football. Uh, just because you're we're seeing what the Bears are doing in their defense right now. That that's learning. That's as you mentioned on that play with the the switching coverages with Kyler Gordon and Tyreek Stevenson, and that that is not easy. That's stuff that takes a lot of practice, a lot of con- conceptual work and understanding and communication with each other of how you're handling it. Mm-hmm. And that type of growth doesn't come in lost seasons. That type of growth comes in seasons where you're playing for something. So I, I think there's a lot of potential growth here for the current roster just in being in games like this. And if, I mean, if they win, if they win Sunday, it's, it gets really interesting. It really does. I think you and I agreed. We sat here before this lions game, literally just a week ago and said, Hey, what happens if this bears team wins out? And you and I both pointed at that Cleveland game as being the hardest on their schedule. Now, obviously the quarterback situation is this thing, even though Joe Flacco balled out on Sunday for the Cleveland Ooh. Browns, Elite Joe Flacco. Elite Joe Flacco. He looks like it. 38-year-old Joe Flacco hasn't missed a beat. But, again, the Bears are in a very unique position, like you said, Q. It's going to come down to Sunday's game, and we'll get to that at the end of the show and in all the nitty-gritty details. But you put it perfectly, Q. You go into Cleveland and take away a big victory, you're sitting at 6-8 and eight with the Cardinals, the Falcons, and a Green Bay Packers team that has been good enough, but – I think still is a lot of question marks. Could you imagine Q and our, and our good friend of the program here, Mr. Robert Schmitz said this uh, on the old X app just yesterday. And I, I, I replayed this thought process 15 times over in my head after that game on Sunday, week 18 could come down to the Chicago bears and the green Bay Packers playing for a playoff spot. Just think about that at Lambeau week 18 bears at Packers. And it's, 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 it's for a playoff spot. What that game, that game might get flexed into a primetime spot at that point. That's how crazy it could be. It's insane to think where the bears stand right now in this best case scenario. Q you want to add something? I can can feel it. That terrifies me. As a Bears fan, that's fair. I'm not gonna lie, I, was, fair. I, I started turtling <laughs> up just thinking about it. Of like, I don't know, like going to Lambo with playoffs on the line, man. I, my life tells me that's not a good idea. But I mean, <laughs> we're in a new era. We're in a new time. Like, yeah. I mean, sure, it wasn't good week one, but it's been a long time since then. And I think this is a very different team from then. I, I, <laughs> you, you want to talk about Justin Fields? And Matt Eberflus winning over the McCaskies, there's a way to do it. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Playoff football will win over any ownership, and especially the Chicago Bears, when you look at their recent history. Q, you brought up a great point, too, while we're on this topic. And and again, I, I think our our rundown here flows very ever gently and, and, and blends perfectly together, in my opinion. But you mentioned the best way to develop your talent is playing meaningful football. And that's what the Bears have an opportunity to do here down the stretch in these last four games. Scott from Iowa put a great comment in here a little bit earlier in the show. He says, I don't care what Dan Bernstein says. I'm rooting for a playoff run. Hashtag fire Bernstein. And for those that maybe aren't familiar, maybe you live out of town and don't hear the local radio stations around the Chicagoland area, on 670 the score, Dan Bernstein was on the radio, and they were talking about what do you want out of this Bears team effectively down the stretch here in the last four games. And Bernstein is almost, it felt like rooting for losing because then it forces change and forces this and forces that. And, you know, Q, I I think we were all on that train early in the season. But when you start to see a glimmer of hope, why are you going to hit the reset button and not at least let it have a shot? Because realistically, sitting here looking at the offseason ahead, if they decide to stay with Justin Fields, which they very well might, as you mentioned, and they stay with Matt Eberflus, you have the number one pick not needing a quarterback, you could potentially get another 2023-like haul for the number one overall draft pick, plus having something probably between, obviously, 5 and 15, 16, realistically. You can do a lot to improve this team for next year, and it feels like you have a defense that's in place. You certainly can add. They have the money to add. It feels premature now to blow it up. If this team was sitting here with the number two pick behind the Panthers and they they haven't done anything and Fields looks atrocious, sure, I think that's a different animal. But Q, you put it perfectly. They have a chance to play meaningful football. This is when you see what this this coaching group has, what these players have. This is when you're going to learn the most about the Chicago Bears team, in my opinion, in 2023, is these last four games. And really, you could have said the last five after the bye week. And I think we learned a lot on Sunday in this this Lions win, 28-13. Now, now is the time to set that up. Yeah, now I will say, I mean, I, I fully understand Bernstein's standpoint. And I mean, a big part of me agrees with it, if I'm being completely honest. Okay. But that's the beauty of not being a decision maker. What I'm rooting for doesn't really matter. So why put myself through the hell of rooting for them to lose? That, that's mm-hmm. kind of where I'm sitting. They got the number one pick regardless. I don't really care where their pick is. Like, that's that that's not really a concern to me. Like, sure, Marvin Harrison Jr. plus Caleb Williams, awesome. Sounds great. But Caleb Williams plus Malik Neighbors, Caleb Williams plus Romo Dunze, I'm still just fine with either. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. care where their pick. Um, but – I'm not sure I have seen enough growth from fields yet that I'm like, that I'm that sold on. Yeah. He, he can, be, he can be here next year. Like I'm, I'm still pretty heavily towards thinking it's Caleb Williams or Drake May's team. Mm-hmm. And from that standpoint, I do understand where he's coming from because you're running the risk of bringing another rookie quarterback into a lame duck head coach who's going to be fired in a year, potentially. Like, I, I don't 
I mean, obviously you don't hope for that, but like that, that's the risk that you're taking, right? That the team's right. going to fall back down next year with a rookie quarterback and it will just be blown up. And then you're, you've continued this bears like cycle of shit of bringing a rookie quarterback changes coach going into year two and hope for the best and it never works. So like, I, I completely get where that's coming from, but I have no control over it. I'd like to see the Bears make the playoffs, so I'm just going to root for it. You know what? If if I'm in a win-win spot, that's the way I see it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, as long as they're going to change the quarterback, I feel like it's win-win. And if they don't, I just hope that it was absolutely convincing enough that Justin Fields like blew us all off our feet. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you. We truly, I, I think as fans, are in a win-win situation because – Either things can go really, really well in the sense of you make a pivot, you make a pivot at quarterback, maybe you make a pivot at head coach, and, and you see what you have in the future now. I think the one person, truthfully, Q, that has solidified their chance of coming back next year is probably Ryan Poles. I mean, if we're being yeah. brutally honest here, the Montez sweat trade has worked out to perfection. That defense is playing the way that they envisioned it when they added all those guys via the draft the last two years. And now on offense, right, you went out and got DJ Moore. You drafted your, your franchise right tackle. You signed a very good right guard in Nate Davis. You have one really one major cog on that offense to fill right now, and it's probably that center spot. And then that unit looks really good, whether it be with Justin Fields or potentially with a rookie quarterback. I think it can still be an effective unit. So I certainly agree with you there. It will be interesting to see. And Q, I think that's an interesting uh, a take of where we can kind of take out the rest of this conversation because – we have questions, right? Yeah. Where does this team go, right? And again, obviously a lot of it's going to dictate right down the stretch. I am there with you, Q, and you say it after every show, life is way too short to bet on the Bears to lose. In this case, life is too short to root for the Bears to lose. And I think we all feel that way in Chicago, and we're tired of this team losing. We're sick of it. Why do we want to continue to see it, even if it does mean some change and maybe the right direction? We still want to see winning football. That is what it is. But Q, I don't want to say gun to your head because that's not the right term here. But you are Ryan Poles. You are sitting here today and you say, okay, I want to see X, Y, and Z to make my decision. What do you think happens down the stretch? We're going to play a real big hypothetical game of GM here. What do you think happens down the stretch? And based off of that decision, where are you going with the future of this team? At coach, is Flus safe? At quarterback, is it Justin Fields or or a new face? What say you, Q, as the GM of the Chicago Bears in this hypothetical situation? No, I don't think my stance has changed for for Flus. I need a playoff win. Hmm. I, I need a playoff win. You you win the playoffs, you're back. You get to the playoffs, you lose. If it's close, I'm considering it. If you get blown out of the water, I'm probably making a change. Um, you don't make the playoffs, I'm still making a change. Uh, at quarterback, like, mm, man, I I still need to, like, it, it just, it hurts me watching it sometimes. Like, it's, when Fields drops back and he sees someone open, he hitches and then he throws. There's a constant hesitation in him that has been. I think. It, I, I think it's scar tissue. It's mm. scar tissue from all the shit that the Bears have put him through. But it's still there, and it still worries the crap out of me when you're looking at two very strong 
number one overall pick targets. Like sure. the, the best way I think I can put it is like Lions last year. They had two top 10 picks, right? Mm-hmm. They were in a prime position to move up and get C.J. Stroud. How are we feeling about the Lions that they moved up and gotten C.J. Stroud versus sticking with Jared Goff, who was good? He was good, but there were still some questions, mm. still some, still some like, how is he uh, when stuff isn't going right? How is he without this Ben Johnson guy? Like, and to be clear, I do know I like Fields is a very different player than Goff. Goff can't create. All Fields can do is create. Like, there's a very big difference, sure. but. I think it's a similar circumstance Yeah, when you're looking at just pure sum of it all. I think it's very similar. And I'd be a lot more worried about the Lions had they made a move to go get CJ Stroud. Hmm. That's an interesting take on it, Q, I think, at the end, right? Because I think a lot of people are sitting here and you're like, well, yeah, you have Drake May and Caleb Williams at the top of the draft. Why don't you get one of them? Oh, you have, you know, maybe a Ben Johnson who we talked to at nauseum about last week and the fit that he could be taking over potentially as a head coach of the Chicago bears next season. If you do set decide to move on from Matt Eberflus, but that's a really interesting way to describe it, right? You say, Hey, you have a great football team, but if you have a, an okay quarterback probably changes your trajectory, right? Well, and it's a lot of it just comes down to what, how are you going to build this team around Justin Fields? When he's making forty million a year, when he's making thirty million a year. I mean, I don't even know what that. I assume he's going to be making thirty to forty a year, like because you're going to have to extend him most likely if you're sticking with him. And at that point, you're you're not able to build as good of a roster around the guy. And it's, are we confident that he can carry the Bears to wins? Not get the bears wins because their defense is playing really well. And DJ Moore is making plays like that's, that's the differentiation to me because with the rookie you're talking about, you got the next four years, super cheap. Yeah. With Justin Fields, you only got one more cheap year. Right. And then that fifth year option creeps up to what pseudo, I think it's 20 ish million roughly Yeah, is what it becomes. Very fair. Very, 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 very fair point. Uh, Q, one last question on that topic, uh, and I'll, I'll give some of my own two cents. I don't want to just put you on the spot and yeah. leave you out the dry here. But if you had the choice, which quarterback are you moving on from fields with? Is it Drake May or is it Caleb Williams? This is tough. I, I haven't watched a lot of Drake May yet. I've watched Caleb Williams' two worst games and still felt like he was a first-round pick. So I'm, hmm. I can only assume my opinion is going to get better and better the more I watch. Um because as, as I watched his two worst games, it was kind of like, well, he had nothing there. He had nothing there. He's just trying to pull a rabbit out of a hat on a lot of this. Like, and he did a fair amount. Like, so you're kind of, it, it was, it was hard to knock him too hard for some of the stuff. But at the same time, there's a lot of fumbles and a lot of sacks. So that, that, that is hard for me to get past as well. But man, Caleb just, he's magic sometimes, man. He is just magic. And, and you look at it, he threw like six interceptions this year. That's it. Like, that's insane for how much, like, how much he gets knocked on stuff lately. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a guy who's just done insane stuff at USC, carrying that team this year, which is not very good, to what, eight, nine wins? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Like, I mean, they they were right there with Utah, who was it, it, like right in it for the Pac-12 championship till the end. Like, that he is an incredible prospect to watch. Um, 
but Drake May is he's also really intriguing. The, to me, the fine difference between the two is like I watch Caleb and I see read one, read two, read three, back to read two, back to read three, read one, read three. He's seeing he sees everything. Mm-hmm. He sees everything on the field. Like there is no question. He's getting through his reads in good time. My main question with him is pulling the trigger. Mm. But when you're that's what makes the USC tape tough is because like he's not pulling the trigger. But he shouldn't be either. <laughs> a lot of it, like it's fair. Man, sure. Lincoln Riley has not done him favors this year. I'll just say that much. But then you go to Drake May, and the little bit that I have seen, it's like read one, not there. Read two, read one, not there. So it's like they're very different offenses and what they're asking the quarterback to do. Sure, man, I do not want to bet against Drake May's bloodline. Like it is incredible for people who aren't aware. Like his dad played quarterback at UNC. His oldest brother hit a game winning shot in the Elite Eight for the Tar Heels. His second oldest brother, oh, yeah, and then went on to win the national championship that year. No, his second oldest brother, or his second oldest brother, won a national championship in baseball at Florida as a pitcher. His third oldest brother, Walked on to the UNC Tar Heel basketball team after nine knee surgeries. Like, these kids are tough, they're competitive, and he's the youngest of them. So he went through the hell. Like, yeah. Oh, boy. I have That's a hard true. time betting against that. That 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 was the biggest selling point I've seen on Drake May. Q, do you, do you dare to say that we'll learn more as um, you build your draft, build the draft board? Oh, yeah. We, we, we got all sorts of content coming with building the board here at on tap we are uh we are ramping it all up right now we're starting to write prospect profiles for this project that we're working on called building the board and the whole premise of it is we are building the Chicago Bears draft board from January to the draft we are at the I believe the last day of March is when we want to have our draft guide released and our top 100 out and then from then on it's just going to be you know talking through it, talking through it on podcasts, writing articles about it, all that. But we got we got a team of uh, Steve Letizia from Chicago Football Connection, uh, Tom Cavanaugh from Bears Blog Boys, uh, Nick DeMeo, one of our own. Yourself, you're going to help out some with a few positions here as a flexible scout. Um, yeah. And then uh, Bruno Osier, also from on tap, is going to be joining us. And um, Robert Schmitz is going to be with us as well as a scout. So we, we, we got, we, we got a dream team here put together. I'm excited about it. I've been watching draft films since September and all, a lot of these guys have too. We're going to be getting into the nitty gritty of the draft and it's going to be fun. Absolutely. It definitely will be. And I, I look forward to uh, even myself Q uh, watching tape on some of these guys. Cause again, uh, I admittedly did not get to see enough college football this year as, as I would have liked to. And uh, it'll be interesting. Honestly, that's see. better. That That's yeah. better when you're scouting because you're no not pre, coming with preconceived no notions. notions. Like you're, you're just coming in. You, you see, you see a block and you say, that was a good block. Not that was a good block. Cause that was Olu Fashanu. Like there's a big difference. Right. Right. 100%. 100%. Uh, Q quickly. I'll give a, a couple of my thoughts here. I, I, I like your, your thought process on flus. I, I think, I think getting to the playoffs certainly gives a heavy consideration to sticking around. I think if this team wins out, you have to at least give him the consideration of that because of that turnaround late in the year. 
I agree. I think if they miss and, and and Kevin Warren is truly pulling the strings, I think he and Ryan Poles look at who the next head coach of the Chicago Bears is. Uh, and I think if they change coaches, I think that just automatically means they move on from Justin Fields. And I think they yeah. want to reset that clock a little bit. So at least having the coach and the quarterback on the same plane, obviously the GM won't be the same way, but in a way, it kind of would be because Ryan Poles has yet to draft a quarterback as the general manager of the Chicago Bears. He would potentially get that opportunity here. Well, you figure. Oh, I was just say I, I will yep. say if they do keep Fields, I think Flues is sticking around. Like I don't think you're putting Fields through another head coach. Like agreed. But I could see a world where they keep Flues and not Fields, and that's that's what I'm scared of. That's what I, that that's what worries me most, just because of that prospect of. If Flues isn't really good next year, he's probably gone. Coaches who who aren't really good in their third year don't tend to stick around. Yeah, well put, well put. Uh, I am in agreement with you there. Um, and I think, you know, if they do ultimately move on from field, somebody will want him. I think they will get a decent package yeah. for him. Oh, yeah. It'll be anything crazier over the top. Uh, but I, I certainly think it is possible. One quick note here from the comments. I like this question a lot. Q is from Jim Hillman. He says, you think the Fluce would accept the defense coordinator position if they decide to go with a new coach? I don't. Unfortunately, I hate to put it that blunt. I'm just not sure. Um, one, I'm not sure that's great for the culture in the building, the guy in charge not being the guy in charge anymore. Um, you know, this is the way I ran things. Well, this isn't the way we run them anymore kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Like, I, I just think there's a lot of potential for issues there. And I think these coaches don't want to stick around someplace that stinks of failure. Like, you know, I, I, why would yeah. you? If, if, you got, if you got the option to search for a new job or be demoted at your current job, which would you take? Like it's, I'm not sure I'd want to stick around my current, my current day job. If they asked me to take a demotion, um, yeah. you know, maybe I'd be forced to, but when million, when you're talking about having made millions of dollars the last few years, you're probably not forced to do just about anything. So yeah. Um, yeah. And one last statement on the, on the fields flus question. If I'm Ryan polls, what gives me the most job security? Hmm. If I stick with Justin Fields next year and it doesn't get better, am I out the door with him? It's a fair Versus question. what's my job security if I draft a new quarterback who is so-so as a rookie? I probably got more years, more years of livelihood based on that. And I think that does flow through with coach some too. Of like, if the McCaskies trust him to hire a new head coach, his lease just got longer on years. Versus... If he sticks with flus and it all goes downhill next year, his he's gone. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point. Uh, at the end of the day, sometimes it's all about saving your own ass and not just you know saving everybody else's Where ass. A lot as well, of NFL, yeah, yeah, a lot so, more than we'd like to admit. A hundred percent. No, well put, Q. I, I think that's a good takeaway point as well uh, to consider here in the future, but. Uh, Q, uh, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, we got a ball game on Sunday to talk about here, and they are going to Cleveland. The Chicago Bears will head to Cleveland, take on the, or the I almost said, I almost said the, the Cincinnati Browns. Excuse me. It's been a long day. The Cleveland Browns, um, the old brownies will welcome the Bears uh, to that mistake on the lake in Cleveland. Um, Q, let's get into it. What do the Bears need to do to win on Sunday? They need to get after the, after Joe Flacco. I mean, he's going to have the ball out fast. They need to be ready to jump routes. They need to be ready because Cleveland's down to their offensive tackle three and four at this point. 
they uh, or no, four and five, I think. Yeah, Jedrick Wills just their got starting him. left tackle is out. Their starting yeah. right tackle is out. Their swing tackle is out. So yeah, they're on they're on offense tackle four and five. So they need like Cleveland's going to have a game plan to keep Flacco clean. It's not letting them execute that game plan. Now, if you go back and look at the when Justin Fields played Cleveland back in his rookie year, when the Bears didn't have an offensive tackle on the roster, it felt like. That's where Cleveland is now. So you need to do what Cleveland did to you in Matt Nagy's last season. You need to just destroy destroy the pocket. You can't let them have a clean pocket. Um, and then Jim Schwartz, is he's probably going to give Fields some fits, if I'm being honest. Um, but I also think he's going to open up some massive run lanes for Fields. Mm-hmm. So I think Fields is going to need to get you stuff on the ground. I'd... I'd love to say Fields needs to hit hit small windows and open zones. I'm just not sure that it's realistic right now. We'll see. We'll find out. But um, they're going to get creative with it. Their corners are so good. They have three really strong man corners who can lock you up. So they will mix up man coverage, quarters, cover six. They're going to make you work to figure out what they're in. Mm-hmm. And it's a, for feel it's going to be about not making the mistake in those, and also not spending too much time trying to figure it out and fumbling in the process. You need to get the ball out. Like if you're not sure, you need to just you need to just throw the check down. You need to do something, and you need to have a select amount of plays where it's you're going to be able to tell, and you're going to grip it and rip it because those are going to be the plays that win you the game. Yeah. Uh, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. Interesting numbers here from Joe Flacco over these last two weeks as the Browns starting quarterback. Um, Two weeks ago against the Rams, 23 of 44, 254 yards and two touchdowns. This past week, 26 of 45, 311 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, He's balling out. He's playing really well. I agree with you, Q. They need to get after him. They need to make sure he's uncomfortable. He doesn't move well, so take advantage of that. You don't have a, a... you know, a Deshaun Watson or even like a Justin Fields, like who can get out of the pocket and make you make you pay for it with your legs. Get after the quarterback and be tough about it. Uh, a comment here from Pro Pros RTS Spina. Offense has to be offensive has to be consistent. Line needs to step up big time, minimize the mistakes, dial up some more blitzes. Also adds to use utilize Cole Komet quite a bit. Uh, definitely nice uh, to have a safety blanket and a guy like Cole Komet. I yeah. certainly agree with that. And uh, if Justin can run, this is the week to do it. Big dog, run, run, run as fast as you can. They can't catch you. You are the gingerbread man this week. Uh, Go ahead and get that done. Hey, you got to run, and it means the Bears win. I don't give a damn how it gets done. As long as it's a W at the end of the day, they don't ask how. They ask how many ultimately at the end of the season. Q, score prediction for Sunday's game. Let's say Justin Fields rushing touchdown, DJ Moore touchdown. Um. Let's add a defensive score plus a field goal. Mm. Bears 24, or actually, no, let's two field goals. Bears 27, Browns 23. Mm. I like that. I like that a lot. I am uh, currently in the process here of looking up the over under because I am legitimately. 47. 
47 and a half. I knew, I knew you'd have it. Um, it's going over. I agree with you. Yeah. It's going over. I actually like your score prediction, but for sake of being different, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give the Bears a little bit of an advantage here. I'm going to say they go 31 points, but I think the Browns keep it close. I think it's going to be 31-27 in favor of Da Bears. Um, another and, uh, comment. For the record, sure. this Browns defense, like they're they're really talented. Miles Garrett is playing hurt. That D-line just lost a, another key player on it. They're all sorts of banged up. Let's see. They are six of the last eight games have gone over. Oh, I'm sorry. The total is 37 and a half. Whoa. I got that mixed up. 37 and a half. Six of Cleveland's last eight games have gone over 37 and a half. Uh, 10 of the Bears' last 13 games have gone over 37 and a half. So I feel really good on Fair, fair. I like that. We got a comment here as well. Um, Pro Sports Pina says 17-13 Bears uh, says it's going to be low scoring and adds thinks it's going to be low scoring, doesn't think it's going to be high scoring at all. So that'll be an interesting one. Scott is going for the long ball here. Bears 33, Browns 13 is his prediction. Um, as long as it's a Bears W, I am happy being wrong. Um, as long as the Bears are coming out on top. Q, one final thought here from the comments section, and I want to give you the floor for final thoughts as well. Scott from Iowa said a little bit ago, Pull selecting the worst best team to trade the number one pick to could give the Bears the number one pick in 2025 as well uh, if it ended up going that direction. Certainly a fun thought to have. Q, the floor is yours. Do we have their 25 first? No, I think he's saying if they traded the uh, – Oh man, I, I don't know that I'm up for I'm not a leprechaun. I don't think Ryan Poles is either. I'm not betting on that <laughs> personally. That that takes a lot of luck. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy enough to think that they've already gotten it two years in a row, potentially. Yeah. Uh a third year would be I would be encouraging Ryan Poles to go play the lottery at that point because he would make a lot yeah. more money than what his GM contract is at that point. Uh Q. Final thoughts before we go ahead and shut this thing down. Just nice to have some hope again with the Bears. I mean, this is the first time since prior week one. And week one, it got just drained and, I mean, it got thrown out with the bathwater. You know, it was gone and it was done. And it's nice to be back in a spot where Bears football is interesting because it mm-hmm. hadn't been interesting for so much this year. And as a – maybe this sounds whiny, but as a content creator – making content for a team when it's this bad it's just it's it's hard on your soul it's hard to watch something that you care about this much and put hours and hours a week into Mm -hmm. i I mean i i i put hour like an hour or two a day into this and it's it's a lot more fun a lot more sustainable when there's a hope of winning and a hope of feeling good about it and it's it's just nice Good sports breeds good breeds good content is what I always like to say. Uh, it's a lot there's easier. A reason, to make- there's a reason all the best draft analysts come from places like Cleveland. Hey, that's fair. That's a really good point. Really good point indeed. Uh, Q, I, I am in agreement with you there. A lot of hope. I think uh, Bears football is fun. Uh, my final thought: this defense is fun again. Like this feels like monsters of the midway type shit going on right now with how well they've been playing the last few weeks. And again, it's just, it's fun to watch. You know, it might not be sustainable for the long run the rest of the season. Who knows? But nonetheless, it's fun. And that's I all might, that matters at the end of the day. I might regret bringing this up, but 
don't know if you remember 2005, Lovey Smith's second season. Bears started, what, one in? They were bad. One in three. And then won a bunch of games in a row. Ended up ended up at 11 and five. So it, it's not quite parallels, but like that defense gave up. We looked really good first few games and started giving up more points, then locked it in. Like locked it in, locked it in. Like mm-hmm. what is like, it? like single over the next three games locked. Yeah, in. like, like single handedly taking. Yeah, like single single handedly taking over games locked it in. Yeah. But I mean, there are some loose parallels there to the 2005 Lovey Bears of like it started to all really come together around midseason that year. Giving me a lot of hope, Q. I think giving a lot of other people. Like I, said, I might regret saying it, so take hey. it with take it with a lot of salt. Not even we a will. grain, a lot yeah. of salt. <laughs> An entire bathtub of that shit. Just take it for what it is. Uh, I'm right there with you, Q. Hey, Bears are fun again. Uh, Sunday's game is certainly going to be a fun one. We both predict the Bears to win. Our comment section does as well, and hopefully that ends up being the case. Q, before we get out here, I want to remind everybody, Bears on Tap, one of two official Bears podcasts here at the On Tap Sports Network. Check out our friends over at the Bears Nation Pod, at Bears Nation Pod on the socials give them a like give them a subscription as well give us a like and a subscription as well we're at bears on tap on the socials you know the drill on the youtube like subscribe hit the bell button uh all is right and dandy scott says butkus is saying jones is turning into 05 hester uh does he does does jones have any eligibility left can he go to miami hester was a rookie in 06 (laughs) it's true it's true it uh It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. We'll we'll have to wait and see here. Uh, but nonetheless, follow all of our other great content as well. We got both baseball teams covered. Cubs on Tap will be live tonight. That's a very shameless plug uh, at 730. Uh, be sure to follow our friends over there. Uh, Socks on Tap as well. And then the Four Feathers Group and Bulls on Tap do a great job covering the teams that play at the United Center in Chicago. You know the drill. We've got it all. Check us out on tapsportsnet.com at on tap sportsnet on the socials, the on tap sportsnet. Go and check out what's on tap in Chicago sports. Bears win on Sunday against the Lions. We hope they repeat that. A three game winning streak would be really cool and really fucking tough. Uh, and it would really set up for a hell of a stretch here as the holidays come for Chicago Bears football. I'm Ron Luce from Dick Bucket Stats. At Butkus Stats on the socials. I'm at Loose on Tap. Follow our friend at Juice on Tap. Be sure to give us all some love. And uh, we will see you very, very soon. Q, what do you say, buddy? Bear down. Bear down.